How you guys doing? I feel like it's been a minute. I'm recording this one late, and I recorded the last episode earlier in the week, so I feel like I haven't done one of these in a very long time. Hope you guys are doing okay. Watching the World Cup. You guys watching the World Cup? I think the World Cup just started the last time I did an episode of this show, and now we're almost in the second round. How about that? Um, I'm watching it here and there. I'm not into it that much, probably because the USA is not involved this year. But I am watching when I can. Watching Ronaldo and his perfect hair just dominate, even though I don't think he scored today. I saw one Portugal goal, and it was not Ronaldo. It was some other miscellaneous Portuguese man. Um... And I never realized... Oh, yeah, it was 1-1. Okay, so I heard Iran tied it, and that was it. So I'm checking the scores as I record this very show. And it looked like they tied. Spain tied. Uruguay beat Russia. Saw that. Um, Saudi Arabia beat Egypt. That's what's going on today, in case you were wondering. Probably weren't, because it's probably... A day late. But, uh, yeah, I'm keeping up when I can. I don't know. Something's missing this year in the World Cup besides the U.S. team not being in it. So, in 2014, when it was in Brazil, I just feel like they were doing the tribal drum thing, carnival, all the time. You know, they had those that intro music. You know when, like, ESPN was hosting and they would do that music, segue music into the show with Alexi Lawson and all of them? And it would be like... Brazil! Like, that always pumped me up. And the one before that, it was South Africa. And you had the Vuvuzelas and shit. It was like... And then... You know, Shakira had that banger of a song. People will uh, be hating on Shakira for that one because that's cultural appropriation, but that shit was a banger. This one's for Africa. That shit was so catchy. Did you hear the song this year, the one with Will Smith? Ugh. Here, I'm going to play it right now. It is the worst just pure corporate trash. The Brazil one with JLo and Pitbull was even better than this, and I didn't like that one that much. Like, listen to this. 
Alright, just a bunch of O's. A bunch of O's. They got the ska vibe. I'm not mad at the production, but these lyrics are rough. Alright, you got one life. Everyone knows that. No news here. Okay, you literally just explained what you just said when you said you had one life. This part's alright. I don't hate it. Whatever. Alright. Lack of lyrics so far. Okay. I have one life. And then a hook with no lyrics, just a bunch of woes, because we were too lazy to write a chorus. I wish I could get catalog of how many songs have choruses with just whoa. Oh wait, here's the Will Smith part. <laughs> oh, he's intense. All right, and then you got the miscellaneous Latin guy that you always need. Last time it was Pitbull, and then they had actually last year, last World Cup, it was that Brazilian girl. It was J Lo, Pitbull, and some girl that's only big in Brazil. And this one is Era Istrefi. I don't know who that is. Maybe she's Russian. I don't know. Yeah, so this is the whole song. I think Will Smith does another cringy rap verse. And what I mean, it's ska. Diplo's bringing the ska, and Diplo produced it. Production's whatever. It's not bad. It's just the, the lyrics have nothing to them. It's just you have one life, live it up. You have one life, it doesn't come twice. Got it. Got it, guys. Alright, Will Smith yelling like a metal singer and a World Cup ska song just doesn't do it for me. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't want to play that whole thing, but I digress. Song, huge drop off from J-Lo Pitbull, which is hard to do. That song was a huge drop off from Shakira, but all of it was really just a huge drop off from Rick Cup of Life Bitches. Nothing's but that was like a legit pop song. Like that wasn't even like a World Cup song that ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever has to play on loop whenever they end their shows. Like that song I think legitimately charted even more than the Shakira one. And it was like a big deal. That's how I learned who Mickey, Ricky Martin was. I remember seeing that on the box back in the day. I don't know if you guys know what the box is, but I'm dating myself here because this is some 90s shit. But the box was basically an MTV competitor that was a video jukebox. It was one of these shows where you call in a number to request a video and then they play it at some point during the day. And I used to watch that shit religiously when I was nine. Kid Rock, Limp Biscuit, all that good stuff. Will Smith, Will Smith, back in his prime, getting jiggy with it, Will Smith, Miami era Will Smith. See, some people will say the Fresh Prince era was his, his prime, but no, 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 no. Big Willie-style Will Smith 
was a dynamo because he had just the two of us with I think it was Jaden or the other one I don't know if it was his first son or I think it was his first son actually where you saw the the soft side the side that made you love him on Fresh Prince and then he had Getting Jiggy with it classic classic rap jam ghost written by Nas so you knew it was going to be good not, that's probably Nas's biggest pop song ever, actually, at least from a writing standpoint. And then you have Miami. I mean, those are three bangers. And then the rest of the album was really good, too. I don't know if you had any other big hits other than those three, but, I mean, three hits on one album is pretty good, and the rest of the album was solid. Anyway, but I used to watch Cup of Life on the box, and I was like, this shit is pretty good. Ole, ole my nine-year-old ass was ole, ole, ole in. And uh, then he did Live in La Vida Loca, and that was, that was you know, the start of the Ricky Martin era. But his first hit, well, he was in a noodle before that, but his first big solo hit, I believe, was Cup of Life, which, you know what, is it even the official 98 World Cup theme song i know it basically is but i don't even know if he was like approached to do that song as like a world cup thing but it turned into the song of the 1998 world cup that is my fucking history lesson for the day um moving on from soccer or football football um what's going on in the world well I mean, I guess everyone's talking about it. Super sad. The but uh, XXX Tentacion was killed. I normally probably wouldn't even talk about this, but I specifically talked about him on a previous episode with the Spotify thing, so I feel like it's appropriate to bring it up. Um, super sad. Super super sad and unfortunate. Um, I know it's a big hot button issue right now because the dude did some foul shit in his life. Um, the beating up of his girlfriend stuff is terrible. And, and it 100% compromises, I think, the ability to be as sympathetic as you should be when a young artist like this dies in such a terrible way but at the same time i don't know when it comes to these types of things when someone does something terrible like this i i try to look at the context and the thing is is he was 20 years old which doesn't mean much by itself because there's a lot of 20 year olds that should be treated like adults for doing dumb shit um or almost treated like adults but the thing with him is he was a 20-year-old, still developing, grew up in the hood, and was his brain chemistry was totally off. He, for sure, had borderline personality disorder. No one seems to talk about that too much. And what people do talk about is he was severely depressed. So he suffered from depression, and he definitely had borderline personality disorder. Um... I'm, you know, playing bro armchair psychologist right now. Although my mom is a therapist, so I do know some stuff that the average person probably doesn't know when it comes to therapies and treatments and 
stuff like that, maybe. I don't know. Who fucking knows? But he, if you just look up on WebMD, like, the symptoms for someone with borderline personality disorder, and you watch, even just watch his YouTube videos, it's obvious. He is to a T someone that has that. And he obviously, he talked openly about his depression. And, I mean, a lot of this is the foundation for his artistic persona and his content um so what you have is a 20 year old kid that grew up in the hood and has borderline personality disorder and depression i mean if you it's hard for me to believe that some foul shit is not gonna happen over the course of his life particularly when he becomes someone with a higher profile and all the stress that comes with that comes into play and the dude's biggest influences growing up was like super aggressive music you know he was like a me- his whole thing was like mixing hip-hop with like hard rock metal attitudes and aggression so while none of it's really an excuse it's like your brain chemistry and your nature dictate your behavior and to think anybody alive is inherently above that you know holier than thou and above the ability to do some foul shit if you weren't in in his circumstances is ridiculous to me like i have no idea i would never hit a woman ever ever but i can't say if i grew up in the hood with borderline personality disorder and severe depression and then my soundcloud blew up and i became famous and i had you know these tumultuous relationships that i wouldn't like i can't say that and neither can anyone else cuz you don't know the context you don't know the nature you're raised in you don't or he was raised in i should say you don't know what's going on in his head no one knows that so like he should have gone to jail for what he did and i think he was i think he had court dates set up um, he was on probation. I think he was on house arrest and got an excuse to, to perform and stuff. But, like, he was going to serve time for what he did. And it looked like he was making an honest effort to become a better person. I mean, he was basically fucking Tony Robbins on his Instagrams the past few months leading up to his death. So, like, I don't know. It's very complicated. I think it depends on just where you stand with these things. But I always side with, well... How did this happen, you know? To beat his girlfriend the way he did and say, threaten, you know, the terrible things that he he threatened her with that I'm not even going to say, get into, but, like, you can Google it. It's all over the Internet. But, like, how do you get to that point? Because you don't just... I don't think anybody just gets to that point and it's just in their nature. I think a variety of circumstances in their life has to occur and their brain chemistry has to be off. And if that's the case, and it looks like it was the case for him, I can't say, like, oh, I'm above that. I just can't, because I'm not him. If my brain was fucked up and I was growing up in certain kinds of environments, I'm probably going to be doing foul shit, too. So, you know, it's bad that he did that. It is what it is, but I'm not going to sit here and try to be holier than thou. And I'm glad he was turning the corner. And he also impacted thousands of kids who also suffer from depression and maybe would have done some foul shit themselves to someone else or themselves and he definitely made an impact on those people 
for the positive. So, you know, in terms of what he affected net, he helped a lot of people, even though he hurt some people very close to him. And, you know, it's none of my business, but, you know, I think he should have gone to jail, served his time, definitely needed to pay the consequences for what he did. But at the same time, you know, it's sad for an artist with that much potential to be lost in the way that he passed away. You know, getting shot in a robbery when he was at a motorcycle dealership. That's just some some bullshit. Um, This is my problem with hip-hop. It's my problem with hip-hop my entire life. And I always love the art form, but there's so much fuckery that goes on in hip-hop. And it just makes the art look bad. It does. Like, I get it. It's, you know, not going to make me shy away from it listening to, you know, Kitsy's Ghost album or something anymore or, like, a Pusha T album. But the culture doesn't do itself any damn favors. That's what I'll say. Um. Anyway, moving on. There's a lot of positive or at least interesting things going on in the world these days of technology and culture so i want to get into those things because uh you know you want to balance the negative with the positive or at least the interesting um see that venmo is opening up a debit card the design of it is really nice i mean that was my biggest takeaway is how nice the design of it is um, it seems interesting. I don't know what their overall strategy with this is supposed to be. I guess, I mean, other than the obvious, which is branching out Venmo as a peer-to-peer money swapping sharing service to something that you can use to purchase products from businesses. Um, maybe that's all they're trying to do. I don't know, but... The design is sick. I really like it. The color palettes they have are awesome. I'm assuming each color represents a different level of card. Like, you have more balance um, on the green one than the pink one. I don't know. Or maybe it's just cosmetic like an iPhone. Who knows? But uh, it's cool. It says the cards. I'm just reading an article on um, Gadget right now. Cards are able to withdraw up to $400 in American cash once a day from MasterCard, service, money pass, and pulse-friendly ATMs, um, but comes with a $2.50 USD withdrawal fee unless you're withdrawing from money pass. The card is available now, limited release, blah, 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 blah. And the most interesting part is the original beta release was a Visa but it is now a MasterCard. I don't know why they switched to MasterCard, other than the fact that MasterCard is the most um, you know, widely used card internationally, although Visa's pretty widely used too. So I guess they either MasterCard approached them with a better package or they are trying to go global and went with the most global card. I don't know, but to me, what I like is the design. The color palette's really nice. It's a vertical card, which I think there's a garbage truck going down the street right now. I apologize, which is pretty interesting. The new MasterCard logo fits in nicely 
with the color palette. Um, the Venmo logo is there. Either It's either embossed or it's semi-transparent, um, but it blends in with the color palette. It's a debit card. It says debit, and the chip is really big and prominent in a good way because it just looks like white space. It's not this big, ugly gray thing that my debit card is. So that's that. <laughs> I don't fucking know. This podcast is ridiculous. Um. Oh, another thing is Jay-Z continues to get his venture capital on. Um, it was announced this week that he launched a new venture fund, Marcy Venture Partners. I mean, this isn't that new. A lot of rappers have been getting into the investment world for a while now. I know Nas has been doing it for a very long time behind the scenes and made some really good investments um, that have helped him out. And, I mean, Jay-Z's been an investor for a long time. Like, he was an early investor, or at least a somewhat early investor in Uber. Um, And he also invested in Julep and JetSmarter. Oh, and Robinhood, the uh, the trading app that was originally for stocks, and it's moving into the cryptocurrency field. I remember reading about it like last fall, and I I'm on their waiting list for Bitcoin, I think. And they're also going to be trading Ethereum. Um, and I think their fees were really good, if I remember, compared to other apps like Coinbase and things like that. I remember reading an article about Jay-Z investing in that. So he's all over the place with his tech investments these days. And then he also invested in that app, Promise. I don't know if you guys remember the Promise app. It was like, it was a nice idea. It was this app, I think it came out a few months back, or at least the press release for it, where it's basically, it helps people in the incarceration system make sure that you know all their court appearances are scheduled and it's kind of like a step-by-step guide to going through the the judicial process pre-trial process i'm sorry the pre-trial process if you get charged with something and it helps you um with like referrals and job training and drug testing, substance abuse treatment stuff. Like, I think it's an educational and scheduling planning app for that, which is nice, but but I don't know. I was looking in the comments section um, of the article that I read about that Promise app, and the first commenter, I think, nailed it. He's like, if you need an app to figure out how to go through your pretrial process, you should probably go to prison. Um... I kind of feel the same way. It's like just be a responsible person and don't have to download this damn app in the first place. And then if you do mess up, like, you shouldn't need an app for this stuff. It's not rocket science. (laughs) Awful, awful, awful pun. But anyway, it is a nice PR piece for for Jay-Z. But, uh... New Venture Partners Fund is going to be interesting. I want to see what he invests in, um, you know, getting his Ashton Kutcher on or whatever. Yeah, I want to see where that goes. But the main thing I want to talk about today is IGTV. Instagram 
came out with IGTV, the app. Um, the feature on the Instagram apps, I think, been there for a little bit now. But they launched the app. I checked it out. It's interesting. It's interesting for sure. There's some user experience stuff that I would definitely want to change. Like, for sure, on load, don't have the videos that just appear on the screen be at full volume. That is a huge no-no. Open that shit up at work, and it's like full volume video about like some guy sneaking into Paris Fashion Week as some bootleg jean uh, Giorgio Armani ripoff. Um, really good, uh, really good piece by the way. Check it out on Vice. This guy, it's like Giorgio Peraggi or something like that, and it's some just ripoff jean company sold in like bootleg shops and he creates a real brand out of it and sneaks into Paris Fashion Week as this fake designer. It's pretty interesting. But the point is is when it's at full volume and I'm at work and I load the app and it just starts playing, it's annoying. Also the browse button being small and on the bottom when you swipe down to close, I believe, is annoying. You're mixing pressing a button with swiping gestures. So that was a little weird too. But uh, all in all, for first release, it's a pretty good app. Um, it's interesting to me how everyone's making such a big deal about the vertical video, or I guess the... Sorry, I'm just moving my legs here, moving my legs here. Foot's falling asleep. The big talking point is the vertical video being how video is presented on the app. Um, seeing a lot of back and forth in the tech blogs about whether or not it will be successful because it's what IGTV is betting on. Um, it's a really interesting debate, I think, because on one hand, vertical video was a big no-no throughout video production history until just recently because it's inefficient um, for the creator. It's inefficient for the creator. I mean, think about it. If movies were shot vertically by that, like, 9 by 16 aspect ratio. You know, if films were shot vertically like that, you can only really have, like, one person in each in each shot. It's all it fits. So, for a while, you know, obviously it was a less than ideal size, but because people started watching videos on their smartphones, which are naturally vertical the what's best for the creator became less relevant and what's better for the consumer became more relevant and because technology got to the point where one device can do multiple things like you know send emails call people and be a tv now the notion of efficiency is pointing towards the vertical screen being the better solution for the consumer but the interesting debate is the time thing because what Instagram is betting on is that people more and more will adapt to vertical video and watch it for longer and longer periods because right now there's nothing that validates vertical video being a good solution for long-term streaming sessions. Uh, not streaming, but like binge-watching sessions. So what Instagram's betting on is that people will become more and more 
of a slave to their phone to the point where they're not even Netflix and chilling on their TV. They're watching shit on their phone. And I don't know if it's true. Most people I know do not watch an hour-long video on their phone. Maybe they will. I'm honestly mixed on what I think with this. I can see it going either way. Um, but I think it's a good test. And from a resource allocation standpoint, it makes sense to dump some resources into this thing. At least as an experiment. Maybe it'll fail, but I think this is something worthwhile to pursue because YouTube has a stranglehold on video. Vimeo's great, but they just don't have the audience. Um, YouTube has the audience, but some of their monetization stuff is pretty shady. Like YouTube's kind of damaged their reputation a bit over the years. And it's kind of just old. It's an old platform. If you look at the comment sections, it's just all gross trolling for the most part um and instagram's you know that new hotness youtube's kind of the old whackness instagram's kind of the new hotness not exactly but you know bringing back to the will smith thing men in black you know instagram's will smith youtube's tommy lee jones and if instagram's gonna scale i think they gotta go into the video space a little harder um, so that's what they're doing. It's just the vertical thing, I think, is their only real roadblock. And it's interesting. I personally do not want to watch an hour-long video on my phone. That's how I feel. I don't think I'm alone in that. But, you know, I didn't think I'd give all my personal data away either to companies for convenience. You know, the Gary Vaynerchuk thing. Um, and I do. Because it's easy. So maybe watching some fucking movies on my phone will be even more easy. But what I really like about this is, see, YouTube doesn't do much for brands. Like, YouTube does a lot for content creators that are, you know, want to be movie directors who spend a lot of time on their vlogs and become vloggers and that, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's great for that. But for brands, it doesn't really do much for... A lot of people that don't want to become video personalities, it doesn't offer much. Instagram has that billion-dollar audience built into it. And it just it makes the whole idea of becoming a video channel a lot more convenient. That's where I think its impact really is appealing. The fact that I don't have to, like get a good camera, shoot a video, produce it in iMovie or After Effects if there's some crazy shit going on or Final Cut Pro or Premiere or whatever, export it and then put it into YouTube. It's just all in one contained environment. And yeah, the quality is going to go down a bit, but I mean, that happens across the board. Like, look, I use Anchor and if I were to actually record these things in Anchor, the quality would be terrible. Um... Instead, I'm using, like, a real microphone with a pop screen, and I'm recording on a laptop. So, yeah, all in all, I think even for YouTube vlogger standards, the quality of video will probably go down a bit. But I think there's going to be more and more people trying this thing out the way Anchor is getting more and more people to try podcasting out. 
Um, but what I just want to see is, is the consumer base willing to watch long-form content on a phone? I don't know. I don't know where I stand. It's going to be pretty sad, though, when uh, people don't even watch TVs in their homes anymore and they just stare at their phone watching TV shows all day. Just from a value standpoint, something's just wrong with that. People eating de- you know, dinner at the dinner table, eating their fucking macaroni and cheese, watching IGTV. I don't like it. I do not like it one bit. But I am a technology slave, and I'll probably adapt to it. Like buying the fucking iPhone 7, which I still hate. Give me back the headphone jack. Fuck your wireless headphones. I like the wire. I like to feel connected with hardware. I don't need that Bluetooth shit sucking my battery. Fuck that noise. Anyway, that was the main topic of the day, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how I want to do the structure of these shows, but I think the main focus was the IGTV thing. I watched a lot of YouTube reviews, Are funny enough, um, talking about it. I read a bunch of articles, and you know, everyone feels the same way. Everyone's like, it's interesting, but will the vertical video thing work out? Um, I think the sweet spot is going to be more like 10 to 20 minute videos. I think there's already been a study on that. And I think like the average length of a video someone watches on their phone is like 15 minutes or something, but I don't know. I don't have stats. Who the fuck wants to hear stats? I don't have, I don't have the brain power to just recall a bunch of stats and spit them out randomly when I'm doing a podcast. Some people have that talent. With me, like, if I don't use flashcards to remember statistics, that shit is going in and out. Um, But I think what it's going to be is a secondary video solution for mid, full, mid-length videos. I think that 10-minute to 20-minute video will be something that's going to be mass-consumed. But I don't think people are going to stick around for the hour-long and I uh, don't see IGTV jumping to, like, two-hour-long video anytime soon. Um, I think it's just going to be a solution for that middle ground, something that's longer than a really long YouTube video, shorter, or longer than a Instagram video, shorter than a really long YouTube video. Um, and I see a lot of the... I looked already, like, a lot of content creators are... They're doing their first video on IGTV, and they're like, well, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be using this thing for, but uh, we'll figure it out. Might do some behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I saw some fitness guy do that. And that tech review dude, was it Mar- Marcus Brownlee? Marquise Brownlee? Uh, I saw his video, and he was kind of the same thing. Like, ah, we'll see where this goes. So I don't think creators are really sure how they're going to even use it yet, but at least in the early going... I definitely see a lot of like behind the scenes making of content, sort of like what already goes on in IG stories, but a little more in depth, kind of like an MTV Cribs episode. I think I think all the YouTube creators are finally going to be able to get their MTV Cribs on and just show off their setup, their studios, etc. Um, and then maybe I think the whole live stream thing needs to get integrated. I think that's the thing that really separates 
Instagram from the pack. I mean, YouTube obviously has live streaming, but like Instagram's audience base is different. Uh, there's a lot more creators, quote unquote, on Instagram um, that are not like, you know, top vloggers in the space. And there's also like a lot of brands doing stuff on Instagram. They, they don't invest their resources so much into YouTube. And I think if you integrate the live streaming with the long form video and the shorter stories together, I think something will come out of that package because it's pretty attractive based on what you can do with Instagram. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the user experience of the app itself, fixing some of the interaction design and some of the annoyances of this early version. And we'll also see where they're going with their features um but i stand by it's going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff and a lot of mid-length video content that's my bet i'm sticking to it igtv if you don't have it yet download it give it a shot um it's kind of cool i kind of like also when you first load it there's a bunch of white noise like a like a tv um, with no connection, and then it shows the first video in your feed. I don't know what determines the first video yet. I haven't really thought about that. So i got to look into that, too. Like, can you organize your channels, for lack of a better word? Anyway, that's all i got for you all today. If you haven't yet, follow me on Instagram, not rocket science. Uh, my username is nrs underscore show that is nrs underscore show i'm trying to have a lot of fun on the instagram i'm making a lot of like shitty photoshop memes and stuff like that um i'm trying to get into after effects videos soon so i'm trying to make some cool shit for you guys anything that i touched up on in a past episode for me is fair game so the theme is kind of like anything i talk about on this show um or any tech or culture stories relevant to this show and something that I would cover on the show. Um, so subscribe there. I'm on Twitter too, but I'm same name, but I'm investing most of my time and resources into Instagram right now because it is the social media platform that I think has the most potential at this stage. But when something new pops up, I will give that a go too. I'm always keeping track of what's hot in these streets married to the game you know what i mean but anyway that's all i got now for you guys hope you guys have an awesome week and i will see you guys next time release new episodes every monday sometimes in the morning sometimes at night but definitely every monday so that's it that's all i got you are listening to the Not Rocket Science Podcast. I am Sean. Peace.